0: Oh, hello, hello. Yes, it's that time of the week again. We're talking Pet Chat, and it must be the first Wednesday of the month because Daniel Carrington, hello to you.
1: I'm back. Hello.
0: Lovely to see you. Thank you. Very fresh and vibrant. And Dr. Paul McCarthy, always a pleasure to have you (laughs) on the show. Now, what are we chatting about today, Denny?
1: Uh, Look, we're going to talk to Carmel Kazma, who we affectionately call fudge oh hello fudge uh, fudge and and she actually trains dogs for disability services so it's under the banner of miracle assistance dogs so let's have a look at what's involved and what these dogs do what their working life is like
0: and uh, our next topic is miracle assistance dogs denny i'll let you do the introduction
1: thank you and on the line we've got fudge welcome to the show
0: Hi, Danny. thank you. Hi.
1: Well, first of all, I guess the first question is, what is Miracle Assistance Dogs? What do you do?
2: Okay, so Miracle Assistance Dogs is a guide hearing and assistance dogs Queensland Government-approved training institution. So we train assistance dogs and we train hearing dogs. So an assistance dog, if you think of guide dogs, They help people who have vision impairment, Mm. and assistance dog helps all the other disabilities, except of course then the hearing dogs, um, which help people with um, hearing impairment. So imagine some, if you can imagine someone who's. um, Oh, let's let's take a look at our return service personnel. Yes. Some of these people with the um, post-traumatic stress um, disorder may have dissociation and get lost. I'm just picking one particular thing to go through. And so that means that they may suddenly become aware of where they are um, after half an hour, an hour or days even, and not know where they are. They may be in a totally different area altogether. But dogs can be trained to track back and hopefully that person will then see something familiar to let them know where they are.
1: Oh, I see so they 're walking around the city uh, yep. possibly with their dog, and then yep. all of a sudden they don 't know where they are they don 't know where to go next
2: they they may actually dissociate, so they they end up walking around and thinking that they 're somewhere else or doing something else, and then suddenly come back to reality yeah
1: so how does the dog in that instance know that the person, the human uh is lost? And, and starts to backtrack and go back.
2: So in that instance... Some dogs will pick up on it instinctively and try to prevent their handler from moving forward. But for those that don't have that innate quality, we train the dogs so that the dog can, um, can follow the handler's orders. When the handler says, yeah, go home or you know, whatever it is they've decided to do. Some people like us to teach the dogs funny different words instead of go home. Yes. But um, they may just say track back and then the dog's nose goes to the ground and they start following the, the way that the
3: handler has come with the dog. Oh,
1: okay. So cool. Wow, hey. so I guess my question, next question is, is that um, you have your client first who needs a dog and then you get a dog from a puppy age and train it, is that what happens?
2: Okay, so we offer a few different programs, Danny. One of the programs is the one that you just mentioned, which is where we obtain a puppy and we already have people on our waiting list. And we, we, um, we search out a puppy, the puppy comes in, goes to our puppy care after 12 months, does all the obedience training, then comes into our specialist training, of which I'm one of them. And the specialist trainers finish off by tightening up the obedience, but teaching the dog to do tasks that will help to lessen the effects of a person's disability, such as with that um, return service personnel with PTSD. Um, you know, it could be anything, it could be diabetic alert, it could be seizure response, it could be um, you know, mobility support for people in wheelchairs or multiple sclerosis. whatever it is. Um, and that's one program that we offer. The other one that's really exciting at the moment, because we're limited on that first program, first program is reliant on us having enough trainers and puppy carers and enough funds. Mm. The next program is aimed at people who have their own pet dog and we assess it as being suitable for them to train themselves to be their assistance dog. Now it's a long road and it's a hard road but for those to succeed the rewards are amazing. They have their own dog that they're already bonded with is now working with them.
1: Wow. I mean, that both schemes, they're certainly wonderful schemes and very helpful to the, to the human. I'm just thinking, like, how long does this take? Like if you've got a puppy that you're going to train up, you already mentioned they're living with someone for obedience training up to 12 months and then they come to the specialist like yourself. How long does this process take?
2: Okay, the specialist training can take anywhere from six to twelve months, depending upon exactly what person needs that dog to be able to do yeah. so there's a lot of people in society who have more than one disability so they they may have a disability that um well, let's say we have someone with um, a back injury yeah. so they can't they can walk but they can't bend over and pick things up easily without a lot of pain and that puts extra stress on on their injury and they may also be suffering from anxieties about the way they acquired that injury so the dog has to do tasks that are what we call mobility tasks and they also have to do tasks for mental health problems so that dog would need nearly another 12 months training on top of the puppy carer training whereas a dog for um, a child on the autism spectrum quite often those dogs are ready to go out after just six months because there's not as many
1: tasks for them to learn Okay, wow. It's amazing work that you do. I guess what prompted me to talk to you about all this is I did see a video of a dog uh, performing some kind of CPR on a cardiac arrest patient or something like that. that, And the front legs of the dog were jumping over the heart of of the human that was laying on the ground. Have you seen anything like that? Is that...
2: I think every man and his dog <laughs> sent me that video. I love it. But so you do you do realize you were looking at a dance routine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's called canine freestyle, um, doggy dancing. <laughs> it was a very, very clever I act. I know, it's really good, isn't it? Well, we haven't trained a dog to do that, but what we have trained a dog to do is to roll a young man into the recovery position after he mm-hmm. has aesthesia because his airways become blocked and if he doesn't get rolled into the recovery position, those airways won't open up.
0: That's amazing. Fudge, yeah. you must all have so much patience to be able to do this role.
2: Uh, you, if you don't have patience, you have no um, right training any kind of an animal because they they think so much differently from us and our dogs especially, they want to please us. But that means sometimes they'll be sitting there looking at us going, yeah, I just haven't got it yet. You haven't really gotten through to my brain what it is that you want. Mm. Um, so that comes back to the trainers. But I'll give you I'll give you an example of some patience yeah. with the training. I had a dog here. He'd only arrived a few weeks earlier to start his specialist training. He hadn't settled in yet. And he was at the back door, and I asked him to lay down. And I say drop to lay down. And when I said drop, he deliberately, he's a teenager, right? He's an <laughs> adolescent. He deliberately turned his head and looked up into the sky as if to go, no. Nah not doing it and I'm like oh my god okay so I let the other dogs inside I left him outside came back five minutes later repeated my, my request same response I went away five minutes later came back did it again same response I did this about 20 times
0: wow wow, that now that's and patience
2: that is patience and you have to stay calm you have to do it do the request exactly the same way as you did each other time. You, you can't say drop, and then the next time you come back and you go, damn it, drop! Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have yes. to be consistent. So this poor dog, I came into my husband, and I'm, I'm not some superhuman. I said, I'm really getting frustrated. I said, it, it's past tea time. I'm going to have my dinner. So I had my dinner, and I forgot about the poor dog. And about an hour later, I went out to the back door and here he is leaning against the back door, sitting there going, (laughs) 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 talking And I went out and I put the light on and I did exactly what I'd done before. I asked him to drop. Well, he started to turn his head to look away and thought about it and turned his head back to look at me. And then one paw went forward, then the other then the other, and I swear it took three minutes for him to lay down on the ground from a sit position. But he did it. But when he did it, I opened the door, brought him inside, I started throwing toys and food all across the back room. I laid down on the ground, I played rough and tumble with him, and the next morning... When I took the dog outside
1: and asked him to drop he hit the ground like a ton of bricks That's great work. Thank you very much for your time Fudge and we'll no doubt speak to you again at some later point with a new story. I Thank you. I just want you. to know whether
0: Fudge comes and trains your kids too <laughs> Now Dr Paul, uh, Daniel Carrington just interviewed Carmel Kazmar, who does a lot with miracle assistance dogs in the way of training and you thought that you would um, have a chat today about how we can help assistance dogs when we see them out and about in public
4: Yeah that's right. So for example a small morning I was doing some study in the Akmudi Library here on campus, and um, I saw a, a gentleman arrive with his um, his care dog, the mm-hmm. person looking after him a small dog you 'll often recognize these dogs they 'll often have a jacket that states um, that they are a carer dog or they are a, a rehabilitation dog um, so if you see people with those dogs with those jackets on those dogs are working. And I saw this lovely student come in and literally three other students ran up to Patty's his dog oh. um, and, and the dog gets confused then because the dog's in its working uniform, it's is trying to do its, its job for this person. Yes. So always remember if you see any of the working dogs out there, and there are a lot of dogs in work helping human society, um, check with the owner first to ensure that it's okay to do that. Um, a, lo- a lovely client of mine, a, a blind gentleman, has a, has a lovely um, guide dog. He says sometimes to get from A to B takes him twice as long as it needs to because everyone wants to come and pat his dog, which again is lovely and and, and human nature. But remembering if if the lead is on, if their harness is attached to that guide dog, they're in work. And just the same way as you wouldn't interrupt another person doing their job, see if you can just check first whether it's okay to approach that dog before you do so.
0: And I guess it can be dangerous as Absolutely. well because these dogs have got to be switched on because they're literally in charge of someone else's life if they're, you know, um, the exactly guide right, dog Sarah. on duty. Yeah. So by distracting them, you could actually cause harm.
4: Yeah, I think it's also to remember that these dogs are are trained by people for a long time and so a constant interruption of workload means that that, so that training can start to become extinguished yeah And, and that's as you mentioned can become dangerous
0: Yeah, I I actually lived with someone for a while that um, did have a guide dog and I know that the same they would come home and we would not go near the dog until the harness came off. That's right. But then when that was off, it was... Gameplay. Yeah, Yeah, like like any normal dog, but we very strict rules to make sure that it was, you know, differentiated when I was working and and
4: when the dog wasn't. That's right. And all the owners who have taken these dogs on to help them have all got those commands and requests. So so the dog knows when it's working, the dog knows when it's playtime and it's really lovely to see them. So when when he comes into the clinic with his guide dog and takes the harness off that dog can run up to me say hello and always does Um, as soon as the harness goes back on I don't approach the dog then the dog is then back in work um, and and on duty and and I think it's really important to keep that into into consideration the other thing that I want to talk about Carmel as well is that she's a qualified trainer who has done a lot of work to ensure that the teaching of those dogs is done in a very professional manner um, and that's critical important for people, particularly um parents who may think that a a dog will help their their child who may have a um be on the spectrum of disorder for example um really think about going to one of these facilities and getting a dog that's trained to deal with your child than necessarily thinking that all dogs will help all children um i think that's very very important to make make aware is that these dogs uh don't always make the process so there are dogs that are be lost to the school because they, they can't do what's required um and expecting any pet at home to be able to do what you need it to do is a big ask of all dogs. So please leave some of that to the professionals. As Carmen said, she often can train you to do it, but that also is involving a particular training process. So
0: if you had a child with with special needs and you're thinking, okay, I might get a companion dog and it all sounds great and, you know, something is a distraction and to give love and all the rest of it, Uh, but if they're not trained, you could be, uh, you know, make it compounding on what's already a difficult situation on a daily basis.
4: Absolutely, for both the child and the dog. And, and the is going
0: you know what i 'm not understanding this i don 't very know.
4: much so, and as we 've spoken on the program before about the dogs reading our body language that 's how they're they 're getting their communication from us. they can listen to requests and they understand what they 're for because we 've trained them to know what that means, but really it 's about their their They're reading how we're feeling by how our body language is being displayed. And I'm sure um, parents who have children who have special needs are often aware that their body language is confusing, even to them. And so when you're a non-verbal species and you're seeing these behaviours acted, it can be quite challenging for a dog
0: yeah absolutely some really good advice there now dr paul i think it was last week we had someone call in uh just before the end of the show and they were asking about cognitive function and basically uh dementia yes and i didn't get to answer
4: that quite as well as i as i would like to so what i'd like to sort of talk to people about is um recognizing those early signs that your dog's brain is aging and like all our organs they all our organs age and how the brain recognize how how the brain shows it's aging is by often changes in behavior now we commonly get calls in at work about people who believe their dog has become incontinent now there's a very big difference between dogs who are unable to hold their urine um and leak Mm -hmm. versus dogs who are inappropriately passing uh-huh. their neuron. and so in these circumstances it's really about trying to recognize those early signs now one of the f- the first signs of aging in the brain is dogs will often move into a room and look like they've stopped um uh, maybe to for a couple of seconds and then they keep moving and, and what we believe is happening is extrapolating from people is that they become confused for a short time period they've moved into the room they're not quite sure why they've done so or or why they're there but then the lights come back on and and they start moving to do their normal activities yes um or suddenly standing to the wrong side of a door that's always open the same way but they're suddenly standing on the other side of that door frame rather than the correct side and these subtle what we would call in in people dementia signs are, are very similar and there are tasks you can do to try and keep that that grey matter ticking over so just like in people where you suggest do a crossword or a find a word um, obstacle courses are really good to try and turn dogs brains back on. Okay. One of the simplest things to do is to get several um, broom handles or, or different objects and and lead your dog over the obstacles so they're having to sort of think about where they're placing their feet
0: so like just stepping over yes so nothing too high no 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 just very
4: low nothing they can hurt themselves on but just making them actually come back into awareness of where they are by having to focus on a very simple task and if you do these tasks on a regular repeated basis it has been shown to slow the aging process in dogs um the same for cats so Cats will often be harder to show because they often don't show many behavioural signs to pick up, but cats who suddenly start sleeping in really weird places um, or that they they cry for food but their food bowl is full Um, these are often signs that they're also malfunctioning brain wise and again um chasing ribbons um creating chasing games for cats can often again just sort of keep that aging process from slowing the brain down so quickly
0: that's really great suggestion because my little boy gizzy who's 14 uh, I, i was just saying to you off air i've just started to notice just a couple of times that he'll come upstairs looking for me and he will walk into a room he sort of walked past me he mm. probably hasn't seen me because i'm in another room but he'll walk past and he will stop and just sort of stand in that room for a minute he, he's possibly looking for me but that yeah that, he that could moment also be confused stops. as well yeah, yeah. So, so i'm gonna some hand, or... yeah
4: perfect problem solving problem yeah. solving games for dogs so the kids we, we, we do always that. play yeah exactly <laughs> and we always play dog play games with puppies and middle-aged dogs we often let those games go as older dogs so we, we either think that they're too tired or they don't wish to play but often if you bring some old toys out that they haven't seen for a long time it really brings out that new young dog again so don't forget to play games with older dogs.
0: That is really good advice. We're going to go to the phones now. June in Metford you have a good news story for us.
5: Yes I certainly do. Um, Ten weeks ago I uh, put an ad through to NURFM that my cat had gone missing at Woodbury at the um, RSPCA combined microchipping and vaccination day being held at Woodbury and my cat was part feral, people had dumped it, it lived half in the drains, I couldn't keep it in the yard but I always fed it out the front gave it a bed and all that, you know, and I took it over there for this uh, RSPCA day, put it down it broke loose through the cat box and it took off Oh
0: oh, no!
5: And I, ever since then I have gone there late at night, early in the morning done letterbox drops put ads in the local shops, spoke to the postman, the local kids were uh, offered um, rewards, all sorts of things I've done. Kept on going back, going back. I even cut up socks and put a little bit of my sock in a slow shrub or something. Anyway, I came home from hospital last Friday night after hip replacement surgery. I woke up Saturday morning, and my cat sitting on my windowsill.
4: Uh, hooray! Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is a great
0: story. Oh, they ten, knew ten that you weeks. needed them. Oh, ten weeks! The yeah. cats just run yeah. their own race. Yeah, they Don't do. They?
4: And cats often choose their owners and choose where they need to be at the right time.
0: Oh,
5: June, yes. we're very but grateful does he to great. How did they get across that. the
0: wetlands? You no, know, cats all are Very, very clever. Make- caught a boat? I reckon. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) That is just a wonderful story. Yeah, Yeah, terrific. Very clever. Uh, We're going to go now to (coughs) Alex in Mayfield East. You've got a question for Dr. Paul about your dog, Alex.
3: I do indeed. Hi. Uh, So this is a little bit unusual. I have an Italian greyhound um, and he... He isn't quite sure how to use his limbs properly. Um, And the problem that we've had for quite a while is that every time he goes to the toilet, he doesn't lift his leg high enough and he wheezes on his front legs. Um, Is there any solution to this?
4: Sure. So, Alex, how old was he when he was desexed?
3: I'd say we got him desexed as early as was
4: possible. Yeah, Um, I thought that might have been the case. So... um, lifting your leg to urinate for a dog is a secondary sexual characteristic. So it, it is a, a behavior that kicks in as certain levels of hormone are reached in the brain and in the body. So if you have a dog neutered before they've learnt that, that, um, behavior, it won't actually be instituted. So the, the dog will, um, urinate as a, as a female dog would do, which is to squat the back legs down. Um, So as far as trying to train that, because it is actually a, 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 a hormonally driven behavior, I'm not sure that that would be an achievable task. I
3: see. The only thing that we've been able to do is use baby wipes on his front legs every
4: time he goes to the toilet. Yeah. Look, I mean, there was, I guess there were certain things you could do. You could try to have him taught that he would urinate with a, his front legs on a brick, so you would try and have him higher at one end and lower at the other end to see if the stream wouldn't reach quite so far forward. Um, that, that would be an achievable task. Um, but certainly, I, I think this is, and, and often people don't, are not aware of this, but that behaviour, if you do desex a male dog before that, that's been um, an instinctual behaviour, it will not kick in. So one of the sort of that's common things... That's a big things, one
0: I'd never heard of.
4: Yeah, people are often not aware of that. And and often oh. breeders, for example, may sell um, puppies desex sex to ensure that they, they aren't bred from. Um, and this is a very common scenario in, in male dogs who are desexed very, very early, is that they'll never learn that cocking their leg. That's hard, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's an interesting thing. And look, you're unlucky, Alex, in that lots of dogs fortunately don't have a stream strong enough to hit the front legs um but it it is one of those situations that that isn't often reversible
3: oh dang well it's a shame that the vet didn't
4: tell me yeah look i I think sometimes there's a, a a crossover between um aiming to achieve behavioral control so some habits that do form in male dogs for example are less popular um and so you're trying to avoid those you desex before puberty um, which is why often around that six month mark is a very commonly quoted time for desexing but only because most male dogs will have learnt to cock their leg by then but haven't actually kicked into those hormonal sort of humping behaviors that make them less popular in the house
0: i see all right alex well thank you very much for the call that's a really interesting one because yeah
4: and uh, again i, I think Commonly misunderstood that yeah. that, that behaviour is sort of is just going to come regardless of what happens, but it, it is a hormonally driven behaviour.
0: Donna, welcome to the show. A question about your dog. Yeah, he's um, seven
2: years old. He's what I would I guess would be called a long-haired Chihuahua. We've had him since he was a pup, and totally toilet trained. Goes through the cat door, takes himself outside, gets his walk every morning to do his business. But when we're away from the house, so you go out and you leave him by himself for a couple of hours you
4: always come home and there's a little pile of pee somewhere yeah so donna what your dog is telling you is that he's nervous that he's not that you're not there that that's a very common sign for a condition called separation anxiety oh
3: i think he definitely has that
4: yeah yeah and so the urination isn't because he, he's being naughty or he can control it. It actually is that the, the fear and the anxiety of being alone and not having the protection of your, your company um, has, has made him wish, need to urinate. Um, it can even be sometimes that they're so nervous that even though they know they shouldn't urinate inside, they urinate inside because they don't wish to use the doggy door because they don't feel safe at, that they're going to the yard without someone there or in the house at least can can be a scary thing for them. So So... The way to look at that condition is certainly to look at treating for the separation anxiety Um, and your vet can certainly talk to you about different training techniques, different um, desensitisation things you can do about your arrivals and departures Um, and also looking at medications to try and help control the anxiety as well. But that is is a very classic indicator of a dog with separation anxiety. Because he
2: never really looks um, that anxious when you're leaving but I have been told because I've Neighbours who've heard him like do a howl after you leave, sort of thing. So he'll yeah, obviously crying after
4: we leave. Yeah, and look, there, there's no gain. So behaviours are instituted if they get a result. So there's little benefit in, in his showing you an anxious result as you're leaving because it doesn't give him any benefits from that so um no. the anxiety will kick in at, at he'll, he'll know the, the anxiety will start to build as he sees you get your keys and put your shoes yeah, on and all those all that. those procedures yeah. that indicate you're leaving the house the wind-up yeah. will start to occur um and then he'll move into that panic situation which is where I, i'm really scared now no one's here to protect me um what do i do okay because i
3: was wondering why he would never like when your home
2: goes out the cat door all the time and does yep. his business outside. Yeah,
4: this but is not disobedience, home, this, yeah. is, this is fear. Fear,
3: okay, yeah. no worries, okay. But have a to your like vet, there's, there's,
4: there's lots of things you can do about that um, and there are good trainers out there who can give you some assistance as well. So certainly um, investigate that. This is a manageable disease um, and you can certainly help your dog's quality of life by, by dealing with that separation anxiety.
2: Yeah, it doesn't always happen, funnily enough. Um, not every day, but you just come home occasionally and you yeah, there's little...
4: Yeah, it'll just reach a plateau where he can't control the fear anymore.
0: Well, thank you so much for your call, Donna. We appreciate it. And chihuahuas as well, they do seem to suffer from um, anxiety a little more often than other breeds. Is that something they're predisposed?
4: Yeah, so there is that, that you can have predisposition for behavioural abnormalities, and smaller dogs often are more likely to develop those type conditions. Um, often, one of the good things if you do go to look for buying a puppy is meet mum and dad, um, and ask the ask the, uh, the breeders, had they seen any anxiety demonstrated? Okay. Um, a good good breeders will talk to you about that. Um, in that it's, it can be quite inheritable as well. So anxious dogs often come from anxious parents so it can be both breed associated and f- family associated
0: okay well we're going to have a quick look at our uh, dogs of the week now before we go to our final callers and the first one which you can see at 2 is jack now look at that face oh Dr. Paul. jack oh. <laughs> now, he's a happy, staffy cross puppy. Uh, he's a medium male staffy. He's a 10-week-old little boy. Uh, after being found in a box on the side of the highway... Oh, that's terribly sad. ...along with four other of his little mates, Jack was taken in by Dog Rescue Newcastle. Good for them. That's why I love these people. Yeah. Uh, ...at around five weeks old. And when you meet his happy and friendly pup, you'll uh, never know he had been through this awful start. That's so, great. look, he loves nothing more than being around people and dogs of all ages. He's quite chilled out. He's currently with a family who love larger dogs um, and of all ages, they've got small children too and he's fantastic. He snuggles with the kids. He loves playing. He loves sitting on their laps. He's really good. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So look, if you are after a puppy uh have a have a look at Jack because really he is gorgeous two and and our second dog of the week we've got two is Miley <laughs> that's good, <laughs> good a, pose. A, a, a german short haired pointer cross um now this gorgeous 8 month old female german short haired pointer uh came into care with other siblings apparently their mother passed away due to a snake bite so oh, it's the time of year mm, yes absolutely starting early yep. too isn't it it's and um, so warm toilet train uh, learning how to walk on the lead uh, she loves going on fun adventures and travelling in the car working very hard on all basic obedience skills with the foster family she's very smart, she will grow into being a medium or large dog uh, and it would be obviously with any puppy great to keep continuing with some
4: puppy training for
0: her. Yep. So look if you want to check her out then please do once again to rfm.com. let's go to the last of our callers now, we've got Helen in Bong. a question about your cat, Helen. Yes, it is. Can you
3: hear me? Yes, Helen. Yes, certainly. I just said I'm. Um, I'm. I'm stopped. By the way, but uh, anyway, um, my cat is a rescue cat. She's just an Australian long-haired um, um, black and white cat. cat. Um, not sure of her age. The vet thinks she might be around about five now. But she came to me. Um, very traumatized she'd been kicked in the face her jaw was half off and her side was missing and ripped apart um and she was fleed she was in a very bad condition so i um obviously rescued her i suppose and kept her outside for quite some time and um she got better and then started to kill so i brought her inside and had her microchipped but she's been she's very um needy um but she's been fine. I've taught her to use the kitty litter, and she's an inside cat. She will go outside to go to the toilet with the dogs, and I watch her, and she comes back in. She howls to do that. But lately, in the last six months, she's been walking around the house howling at me and eating a lot. She eats well. And I clean her kitty litter out, and it can be clean or dirty, and then she decides to defecate um, on, the gro- on the floor outside. Yeah, um, sure.
4: I think the first thing I would have a chat to your vet about, Helen, is that a condition called hyperthyroidism which is where an overactive thyroid gland makes cats ravenously hungry. They often show behavioural abnormalities and they vocalise at weird times. So I, I would think your first thing to do would be to have your vet collect some blood, do a T4 level in that there could be a very manageable disease here.
3: Oh, okay. Because her behaviour has changed uh, and it's really odd. She's become, as you say, erratically howling. Yeah, yep. um, these, a, these a, a are like a classic food. history for
4: a thyroid cat. So there can be other causes, of course, but I would, the simplest would be to have a chat about thyroidism with, with the cat, with okay. your vet.
0: And the best part about that, as you said, Dr. Paul, you can medicate that daily and they can medicate, live a very normal surgical, long life.
4: Yeah, 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 they can live a very normal life afterwards, yeah.
0: That is excellent. Look, unfortunately, I think that's uh, it for us today for Pet Chat. It goes quickly, I know. We are <laughs> out of time again.
5: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel.